Oh, and it gives you stats. Wow, it actually, that sucks. Ed gets 19 points, and I get one point, because even though we had the same score, whatever the tiebreaker was, is it 18 less points? (laughs) Why? (laughs) That's crazy. I don't know. (laughs) Look at that. Look at the screen here. Yep, yep, yep. I got 19 points. I got 24 levels. Yeah. Come on. (laughs) I got one. Welcome to Which Game First, where we boldly explore the hilariously huge world of board games. Did we unearth any hidden treasures you've been missing out on? Let's find out. First up, can we make great ad slogans for stuff like Candy Crush Rehab Clinic? We find out in Clickbait. Next, can we dominate the Milky Way through our brilliant wielding of dice? We find out in Roll for the Galaxy. And lastly, we discover how many trivia questions is too many in Matter of Fact. I'm your host, Celeste Angelus. Now let's meet the rest of our brave and intrepid game explorers. Hi, I'm Evan Bernstein, and I was unboxed at birth. Hi, I'm Ed Povolaitic. Hey, you ready to open this box from Pandora? I'm Mike Grenier, and I was wondering, why don't they make the whole plane out of that black box stuff? I know, really? Good question. Yeah, right? <laughs> hey, I just want to give a shout out and a thank you to our patrons who are keeping us going uh, while we're all in lockdown. We record this episode in the midst of our coronacation, right, guys? <laughs> is that what this is? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that is what my kids are calling it anyway. Coronacation. <laughs> it doesn't feel like much of a vacation over here in New York City, I'll tell you that. Yeah, I, I hear you. Staycation. But- but I'm really, really thankful for the people out there that are still listening to us and make yep. it all worthwhile to record this for you. We're going to try and bring you a little entertainment during this tough time. So thanks again for listening. And uh, while you're out there, probably on social media a little more than you used to have time for, which I hope you're enjoying, give us a shout out. Please mention us on Facebook, on Twitter, Instagram, retweet, whatever the new app is. Give us a shout out. Send a link to our website. We really appreciate it. It helps us grow. It helps us keep entertaining you. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you all. Our first game up this week is Clickbait, designed by Reiner Nizia, published by Big, I know. <laughs> Published by Big Potato in 2018. Number of players, three to eight, ages 14 and up. Playtime, 20 minutes. Okay, Mikey, tell us what's in this box. Uh, the first thing that jumps out at you is the box itself. It's shaped like one of those uh, click uh, arrows that you have on your computer, like when oh. you're using your cursor. Uh, it's probably <laughs> hard to stock on the game shelf like with that shape, but it's very cool and thematic. Um, inside are little notepads and Celeste's favorite tiny golf pencils. <laughs> oh, we love golf pencils. No erasers, no sharpener. You can write about 12 words before the thing goes dull. I love it. It's perfect. (laughs) There's also uh, five bright yellow six-sided dice with a single letter on each side and over 120 ridiculous product cards. With a picture on each card, right? Yes, yes. The cards all have their own art. Unicorn jerky is an example. (laughs) And did you mention the easily fall apart tiny white pads of paper? I just called them notepads, but yes, they're the kind that have a tiniest little bit of glue on the one edge, and they fall apart super easy. And that's what's in the box. But before we find out just how bad those notepads are, Evan, 
tell us how it's played. In clickbait, players compete to write the flashiest taglines for silly products. Each round, a player designated as the judge flips over a product card and rolls the five dice. Each are printed with letters. Then, using only the letters rolled as the first letter of each word, the other players write an advertisement for some of the strangest products that the internet has to offer. (laughs) The judge picks their favorite clickbait, and the winner keeps that card and becomes the judge for the next round. The first player to write three pieces of award-winning clickbait wins, if such a thing can be called winning. (laughs) Clickbait. Uh, I love games where it's just open-ended. To get my friends to create something. It's one of my very favorite things. So that I really enjoyed. Let's face it, guys. I think we can just say it right up front. It's very similar to Apples to Apples. It is the Apples to Apples formula, this game. But I do prefer these versions that require the players to create something rather than just pick one of their cards. Right. And that's the big difference here. You know, Apples to Apples, you're creative in the way that you're choosing between five different pre-written things. And this, it's just... The sky's the limit. You can create whatever you want and try to impress somebody with it. Yeah, the other type of this game that a lot of people like are Cards Against Humanity, Mm -hmm. where basically you're trying to pick the most awful thing. I have to say, I did not think these cards were just thoughtless. I thought they put some work into these particular ads that they want you to do. (laughs) Oh, yeah. The products were really silly, funny, and Mm -hmm. the picture they included looked cheap, but they- they put work into it. Yeah, it looks legit. They look like an actual clickbait picture you'd see. Right. I mean, it's it's kind of a poor, a lot of them are like poorly made photoshops right. <laughs> of stuff. But I think they intentionally made it look that way. Of course. Of course they did. And I, and I, and I appreciated that. There was yeah. one where the guy is in a cardboard box trying to row away from a shark. <laughs> and I think it was called, what, Discount Vacation? Discount Adventures? Yes, Discount Adventure Vacations. Discount Adventure <laughs> <laughs> They definitely look like stock photos that you'd buy, which is what a lot of clickbait clickbait. looks like. A lot of clickbait looks like they just grab the closest stock photo. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, but I I, I definitely think it played well into the theme here. A lot of the Mm -hmm. products were very funny, which is great. It gives you a laugh, inspires you to create. Like -hmm. there's this one where a guy is holding the back of his jeans. You just see his back, Mm -hmm. his rump (laughs) on the jeans, and the ad is for fart neutralizing trousers. Yeah. (laughs) See? And yep. It's not just that it inspires you to create, it's also getting into a little bit of that copywriting, thinking about what it takes to write good ad copy. And I think it's a neat little, almost educational bit, tiny little bit. In the yeah, it's like an exercise, right? And that's a cool one, too. And especially because you're locked into the box where you have five letters to deal with. Five letters is the point. You're limited. By only using five, which I found very restrictive but good because you have to have parameters in, in which to work. And, and mm-hmm. having five as a limit was it was a good number, although you could go less. You didn't have to make use of all five, right. which leads a little bit into the gameplay and sort of the rules and maybe the judging of this is that there's no – the judge is at their discretion to choose a person who used all five of the letters or someone who maybe used just two of the letters because mm-hmm. there's – effectively no difference yeah and i'm definitely the kind of judge that's more impressed if somebody can use all five of the random letters to pitch their product but you know if it's funny enough with three maybe i'll go with the three and that's just the thing some people will will judge based on how funny it is and others will will judge based on how effective they think it is right 
Yeah, I, I took it upon as a challenge for myself as I was creating these ads. I wanted to make sure I used all five. Mm -hmm. Even if I could have gotten away with three or I took it as a challenge and I wanted to make sure I used five all the time. I have to say some of the most effective ones I have heard while playing this game were using less. And mm -hmm. I was genuinely torn. Sometimes I chose as the judge the funniest. Sometimes I chose the most effective. I played a game where this the ad was for... 12-inch high heels. Somebody came up with I see clouds. And I thought that was a very effective ad for, mm. like, I could imagine that in a Vanity Fair magazine. Yeah, that's like their tagline, I see clouds. Yeah, and she's looking right. up with her 12-inch heels. <laughs> it, it was fun. It was fun to listen to the ads. It was fun to see what people came up with. Sometimes I was genuinely stuck. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that is true. Oh, I got stuck for a while on um, Pope approved sandals because I had two really good ones and I didn't know which one to use. I, I used all five letters. And a G came up. So I, I we're like, oh man, everybody's going to use God. <laughs> so then that's another thing. It's like, if it's too obvious, other people are going to choose it and then your ad's not going to stand out. Mm -hmm. Ed, what was yours? Do you remember it? Because that was like my favorite one of the round, even though that round was great. Let's go ahead and hear your Pope-approved sandals. Great apostles take Savior sandals. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like an ad. That's good. All right, Mike. Uh, I have two different ones. I don't use know which one, one to say. Just told me. One. All right, I know. I'm going to use the one. Okay. Show toes and satisfy God. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. All right, Ed, bring us home. <laughs> Travel gracefully across saintly surfaces. Ooh, what? I want to. I want to give everyone a third Whoa. of a point. I love them all. My really goodness! Is awesome. Oh, and my other one just that doesn't matter now, but it's uh. And God said, "Sandals traverse." <laughs> <laughs> Ed came up with some really impressive ads. Like I think two or three of his ads that game were very good. And if you can get. Three rock-solid ads in one game. That's pretty impressive. I, I really don't really care for these party games often, but this one is a notch above because it just involves you just writing. It's fun. Just trying to write ad copy because you can go a lot of places with ad copy. Like you said, you can talk about the product or you can talk about the product experience. And, and those are different ways to write taglines. Oh, listen to you, Ed. <laughs> it's it's interesting that we can attribute this much to a game with so little in the box. You know what I mean? It's just a, a bunch of dice and some notepads and a couple cards, you know? Right. Now, what did we think when we saw Reiner Nizia was the designer? I was like, huh? <laughs> I was like, oh, what do they, like, like, do you really need a paycheck? But apparently, uh, that's <laughs> one of the reasons why this game is a notch above, I think, is yeah. because, ah, okay, so maybe he did actually uh, somehow dial this type of game up a notch. Yeah, Ed said exactly what I was thinking, that the first word that came to mind was paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> because what is Reiner Nizia famous for? Uh, about 100 games. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, what's the first Reiner Nizia game you think of? Taj Mahal. Yeah, which is a Euro game, right? Right. There are all kinds of Euro games. Yeah. Right. So this is a person who's like famous for deep Euro gaming. And we're like, what is he doing making an apples to apples game? Right. You would think this is out of his wheelhouse, but mm -hmm. he's able to, you know, he's able to channel his professional skills to meet the challenge of the job that was in front of him. And he came up with something. He came up with a game that's quite elegant. Do, he does have the advantage of 
people that are very creative can put a lot into this game. So he leaves a lot of room for other people to enhance how good this game is. Right, but knowing knowing how to craft rules that allow that to happen is it sounds easy, but I don't think it is easy because there's a lot of failures out there that try that, but this one is not one of those. Yeah, making a catchy simple game like this is actually a lot harder than it seems. And I would have uh, told him to skip the golf pencils and put that extra three cents into the notepads myself. Okay, so something tells me he didn't have much to do with the golf. Yeah, no. Yeah, some bean counter out there decided on that. Big Potato spent all their money on that box shape. Wait a minute. The initials RK are engraved right on these pencils. Wait a minute. He did have something to do with these. <laughs> it was just a, a, just a way for Reiner to get rid of a back stock of pencils. <laughs> Personalized pencil yeah. stock. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that Big Potato spent all their money on these eye stock photos that they use really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury clickbait. Evan? Well, there's not much to this game as far as the components go. It's the brevity of the players which is brought forth by the rules, and that's good enough for me. Dig it up. Ed? I'm not particularly fond of apple-to-apple style party games, but this is one that gets you to stretch yourself with some creative writing while having fun. So if you're looking for a party game, this may be worth digging up. Mike? I love these types of open-ended creativity games. It's great for a medium-sized party, and I would definitely dig it up just for that. I'm already on board with the apples-to-apples formula, and one that adds in this creativity element is definitely right up my alley. This one was pretty clever on top of that. Dig it up. Evan, where can you find this game? This game can be found online, about $15 to $20. If you have thoughts about clickbait, let us know. We are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Our next game up is Roll for the Galaxy, designed by Wei Hua Huang and Thomas Lehman. Published by Rio Grande Games in 2014, number of players 2 to 5, ages 14 and up, playtime 45 minutes. Okay, Mike, tell us what's in this box. Okay, hold on to your butts, because this is a very full box here. Just the butts. Okay, wait, I got to sit up a little bit. Okay, go ahead. We start off with the box itself, which is a brightly colored box depicting someone repairing a spaceship in space. It's modestly sized for all the stuff that's inside. You got five dice cups, all different colors, five credit markers, five player mats to keep track of your workers, five screens to hide your next move, five phase tiles. Five phase tracking strips. Obviously, they intend you to play with up to five players. (laughs) (laughs) Nine faction tiles and nine home world tiles to try to keep it fresh and replayable. An assortment of 111 custom dice representing all the different faction colors and different proportions. All that delicious Mm, dice. Yum. Dustin dice. 33 victory point chips of various denominations. 55 double-sided game tiles that you'll get to pick from a sweet cloth bag. I love bags. They have a great pick bag. It's actually huge. It's a giant one because there's tiles in it. (laughs) And of course, a colorful rule book to navigate you through the massive amount of symbols in this game. And that's what's in the box. Before we talk about all these goodies, so many dice. Evan, (laughs) tell us how it's played. In Roll for the Galaxy, players build their space empire with... Dice. Lots of dice. Each turn, 
you will roll dice representing your populace that you secretly direct to scout new options, develop technologies, settle worlds, produce goods, or ship those goods. Only phases that were selected by players happen each round, so you'll find ways to take advantage of your opponent's actions. The game ends when either all the VP tokens are gone, or any player has placed 12 tiles. The player who built the most prosperous empire wins. Space. The final dice frontier. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, so many lovely components, right? I know Ed particularly loved the player reference guide. Yeah, the player reference guide is great because not only are you planning your whole turn behind the screen, it has all the uh, information you need to play the game there on the screen that you're hiding behind. It has what each of the different phases or icons mean and what the, the, the basic round summary is. Super handy. That's really nice to have handy because there's a lot to look at in this game and a lot to learn i've played it before and it's still there's some things that aren't super intuitive to me yet so it's really handy to have that thing around to look at the symbology is a little thick and it is basically whatever you roll whatever symbols come up on your dice that's what you can do that turn yeah so that's the trick is trying to figure out which of the five actions you want to do based on what you roll and you're trying to choose an action that's going to benefit you but you could be sneaky and say, well, I think Evan is going to mm-hmm. do that action anyway. So I'll just piggyback off of his selection and I pick this other thing I kind of want to have happen off though. Yeah, when you need more than one thing to happen on your turn, you can only, you're only allowed to choose one. You have to count on your other players making the other choices of other actions for you. It's wise to be kind of paying attention a little bit maybe to, uh, to what the other players are, are going for as well. Yeah, you got to be really careful to make the action happen that you need the most. <laughs> don't put all your eggs in the basket of, oh, Evan's going to explore this turn. I don't. I can put three dice into explore, but not make it my mandate to explore this turn. Right, because he's, he's got to do that, right? Right, he's going <laughs> to have to. He has no tiles. He has to explore, and then you don't realize it, but he's instead shipping his goods out to make some money for this next turn. But here's the thing. If you roll the dice that don't give you the action you want to do, you have no choice but to rely on the other player to hopefully choose that action for you. Right. It's true. You can only choose one, so <laughs> you can't do everything you want in a turn. Yeah, you can you pick one die to do anything you want each turn. But sometimes you want it to do more than just the one thing. So you can definitely get at least one thing done, and that's nice. Right. But if I roll all diamonds and I need a circle to come up and I didn't roll a circle, guess what? I'm at the mercy of everyone else to hopefully someone else chooses circle play. Well, the good thing is that you can take any one of your dice, no matter what the symbol is, and put it on the action that you want to do. So if you want to explore, but you rolled all shipping actions, you can take one of your shipping dice and put it as a mandate on Explorer, and you'll get one uh, tile to choose from that turn. There are two guaranteed actions, basically. One of them is that you can, no matter what, take one die and select any roll with it, no matter what's on the face. And then the other thing is, if you happen to have two extra dice hanging around, you can discard one of them to make the, any, any other die a wild. Right. Hopefully you have more than one die to roll. Right. And there is a minimum of one die that you get to roll every turn because at the beginning of each turn, you get one dollar. But if you get more money, you can put more dice in your cup. And as you know, it's so much better to have a cup with more dice in it. Yeah, absolutely. It just sounds better. It feels better. I had a lot of dice I was rolling. 
<laughs> it didn't help me that much because I could not roll what I wanted because some of my dice didn't have the right faces on them. I was trying to build planets, but none of my dice had planets on them, except for the basic ones you start with. The balance of resources in this game and having to make do with what you're given and what you see happening around the galaxy, I thought was very on theme. I loved mm-hmm. how resources were in not necessarily uh, short demand, but you really had to use everything around you. And you had to make use of what other people were using. I love that. I love that feel of that resource management. And I'm, I think, particularly good at making do with what I'm given. You do have to be flexible with your plan, but there are ways to help that by picking the dice that are going to synergize well with your strategy. Because different dice colors have different faces on them. They give you the breakdown right on there, too, what's on the die. Like, for instance, the yellow alien die has three wilds on it. So what? it's very versatile. Yeah. <laughs> but they're expensive. <laughs> it's hard to put out those alien worlds that give you those dice. True. Because they- but they're very valuable dice. So we should also talk about how we played this game, though, because I have the physical game that comes with so many dice. But we're in the quarantine zone, and... uh we played this game online. Yeah, I've played it in person before, so I got to hold the pieces, but it was really nice having the online thing set up and keep track of the rules and clean up and all that for me. Celeste, what happened to you? Is Celeste there? Oh, okay. Did she get booted? Hang on, guys, sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Like, I didn't know she walked away. So I was Don't like, worry, oh, yeah. Celeste, we'll just sit here doing nothing. It's mm-hmm. fine. Yeah, it was fine. just like a regular game night, so hey. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. At least now we won't have to clean up. Or, or take the train home. Yeah, this was like nice for you, Mikey. You don't have to take the train home. You don't have Dude, to clean this is up. hot for me. Honestly, <laughs> if we could do this more often, I would really love it. What was the name of the website we played on? Board Game Arena. Uh, so I think it's probably a good idea to talk about the different phases in the game. Maybe that'll help. There are five different phases. <laughs> uh, the first one is kind of a, a scouting, exploring phase. It's how you get new tiles that you can actually put out on the board. Yeah, um, new tiles. You draw from that pick bag. I didn't use that phase much. A lot of people need to, cause, so somebody's going to use it pretty often. Like It usually happens that somebody uses it, especially after you see that they put a bunch of tiles out and they have nothing available to put out the next turn. And also a way to get you a, a little money boost, too, in case mm-hmm. you want to put more workers back into your cup. Next phase is develop. That's where you, you make, I would say, I'd call them buildings, for a lack of a better word. But they're, they're technologies. Yeah, they're different techs that help you to either like alter your dice rolls a little bit or ship stuff more efficiently. They have a lot of uses. Like they don't provide any kind of uh, resources to you, but they help you to use the stuff you have in a more efficient way. The next phase is called settle. It's how you settle a new planet, and that's where your resources will come from. Um, they'll have like a colored circle on there. That means that when a production phase happens, you're going to put a cube on there, and later on, another phase will come where you can sell that cube for money or victory points which means the next phase is produced it makes a lot of sense that the next phase is to produce the last phase is called ship and that's basically where you take goods from the planets that produced them and you ship them out and you can either get uh, victory points for those or you can get money so they can buy more dice for the next turn hard earned credit baby yes it's it takes a lot of work to get something on your planet and then sell it and then use the money the next turn so you got to be very efficient about how you put all those actions together 
Or you could um, just be like Celeste and just crank out a bunch of things and just make a <laughs> buttload of victory points. Yeah, she was basically the like Taiwan of the game where she just cranks out products and sells them <laughs> really fast and gets money coming and going. Yeah, big factory type situation. Most people start with $1, but I had this uh, planet that everybody was telling me was garbage. Oh, it's not going to work for anything. <laughs> I start with $8. Yeah, You were like, yeah, but you can't do anything with this planet. $8 is eight times what everybody else starts with. I, yeah. I don't know. That for me was the advantage I needed. Because I, yeah. I was trying to build tiles faster than everybody. Because I, I wasn't getting victory points with the, uh, the shipping. So, um... I was trying to get them from other means. Yeah, there's a finite pool of victory points. And Celeste's goal, and it worked really well with her strategy, was to just eat that pile of victory points up and end the game before everybody could get a lot of other points built up on the board. Well played, Celeste. Nice. Well, one of the benefits of playing online in a virtual room is the AI of the program that we're playing in told me which actions I could do and which actions I were forbidden. It helped make the game faster and it helped sort of focus my my maneuvering. There are also two expansions for this game. Ambition would add two new die types and of course some more starter tiles and now objective bonus points you can get during the game. Rivalry is the new expansion that came out last year. It adds a sixth phase to the game 62 more dice, 12 customizable dice Ooh. like they are in Dice Boys with Faces. What? Customizable yeah. dice? What? Customizable dice. I'm telling you, it's awesome. Oh, Just, man. No, we have to do it. Gimme. Are the dice in the expansion set the same size as a regular D6? Um, well, the, the newer customizable dice are a little bit bigger. They're like the size of the dice we found in Dice Boys. Oh, so they're like uh. pop-out dice like that? Yeah, it had, it had 222 different faces you can put on them. <laughs> I want to get up from this microphone and go get it right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury. Roll for the galaxy. Evan? I found it a bit disadvantageous to play this game online as opposed to at the table. But that aside, I really like the concept and I really like the flow of the game. I most certainly want to give this a try in the analog world. Dig it up. Mike? It offers me what I love, which is cool engine building combos, and everybody's engaged because there's a lot of simultaneous play that happens, so definitely dig it up. Ed? I love rolling the dice in a game. Just rolling them in a cup. Awesome. <laughs> and trying to predict what each other player is going to do? Yeah, dig it up. Uh, I found it advantageous to play online in that my dice were ordered for me and so many things were organized for me. And Mike, no cleanup. I love it. <laughs> Either way, this game's theme and play shine through. Dig it up. Evan, where can you find this game? You can find Roll for the Galaxy and all the expansions at game stores and online. Retail about $60. You can also play this game online at boardgamearena.com. If you have thoughts about Roll for the Galaxy, let us know. We are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. Our last game up this week is Matter of Fact, published by Game Development Group, Inc. in 2013. Number of players, two to six players or teams, ages 16 and up. Okay, Mike, tell us what's in this box. 
Okay, get ready, everybody. The purple and pink box cover adorned with a blurry tree made of question marks evokes the idea that it was made in the 1970s. It looks like an offset printing mistake. That's what the cover looks like. Painful. But when you pop it open, the contents do nothing to dissuade that notion. (laughs) (laughs) There are six of the most standard pawns of varying colors and the world's most basic six-sided die inside a sealed bag with the Made in China label proudly stamped on it. And what is the D6 for, Mike? Uh, it, I th- it doesn't say in the rules that it's for anything. <laughs> we used it to determine who goes first, but there is nothing in the rules that mentions a six-sided die. There's also a box of over 100 oversized double-sided trivia cards and a nausea-inducing board with a single track <laughs> for pawns to race across. Mike, you don't like purple and green as a graphic design choice? Oh, it's it's my least favorite color combo. Oh, <laughs> listen, if you want this game to be seen, it's you can see it. <laughs> it stands out. I'll yeah. give them that. <laughs> there's uh, the last feature is there's a strip across the bottom that keeps track of correctly answered questions each round. That's what's in the box. Perhaps the manufacturer t- went to the warehouse and said, OK, what colors we have most in stock that fewest people really want? Oh, it's. Bile green and mauve pinkish. Oh, let's use these. Man, it's obnoxious. Like, And it doesn't even relate to anything about this game. <laughs> you know, the colors are different on the cards. They're like orange and green or something like that, or white and orange. Before we get a really good look at this game, Evan, tell us how it's played. In matter of fact, players take on a real trivia challenge. Every game card has seven questions around a main theme. The more questions you answer correctly, the more spaces you move along the board. Stumble too much, and you might even have to move backwards. Ah! (laughs) The first player or team to get to the finish line on the board supposedly wins. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's one of those, does anybody really win? Yeah, Yeah, or if you're playing the game, you probably already lost something. (laughs) Come on, guys. It's no secret I'm a trivia game fan. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, no secret there. So, you know, I was willing to be open-minded despite the horrific look of this game. I mean, it looked like it should be a game from the 70s, but it was printed in 2013. I absolutely thought this was an 80s game when I saw it. <laughs> yeah, early 80s at best. And was shocked and I got to admit a little delighted that it came out in 2013. <laughs> yeah, the, the questions weren't totally out of date. Some of the questions were a little dated. Uh, yeah, like what's the capital of Constantinople? No, just no. <laughs> <laughs> East Germany has. <laughs> yeah, some of the questions are having to do with sports teams and stuff. So, so yeah. timeliness could matter. A lot mm-hmm. of them were very basic, not going to change type of questions, like mm-hmm. which city is closest to another city or a particular capital or or monument, but. This game did have a few features that I liked. We all hate a trivia game going on too long. Oh, yeah. What we call trivial pursuit-itis. And this game (laughs) does not have that. (laughs) Right. That's true. It does end quick. Although there is a quick end mode that we played, too. Mercifully, yes. Yes, that's even better. It recognizes that you might not even want to play as long as the whole game. And there's a finish line that comes earlier for a short game. And it's labeled Mm -hmm. clearly on the board. Brilliant. Appreciated that. (laughs) Yep. <laughs> so the questions aren't just regular like trivia questions where there's one question and one answer. Um, it's kind of like a category of answers. I'll give you an example. Yeah, let's hear an example. 
do these chains have at least 500 locations worldwide? So then we know right away this is a 50-50 card because you're going to either answer yes or no. Right. And come on, we none of us know um, whether or not a chain's going to have 500, so we're going to take our best guess. Number mm-hmm. one, Chuck E. Cheese. No. Uh, no. It's yes. Number <gasps> two. That is, that is appalling. <laughs> Number two, <laughs> Chili's. Yes. Yes. Correct. Number three, Planet Hollywood. Yes. No. Correct, Evan. No. Ah. Friendlies. No. Yes. Mm, yes. Correct, Mike. No. Oh, <laughs> yeah. No. You're right, Mike. Outback Steakhouse. No. Yes. I'll say yes. Oh, and it does specify for you, Mike, at the bottom, there is a note. And these notes are handy at the bottom. It specifies figures are approximate as of 2012. Oh, that's useful. Oh, that, that helps in tremendous. Yes. Is that something we could say before we read the question? <laughs> Absolutely. It does say you yeah. can read the notes to help you. And mm-hmm. six, Panera Bread? Yes. 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 And seven, as of 2012, Pizzeria Uno? No. Hmm. Yes. At that point, maybe. No. no. Okay. I love that each team gets to answer seven questions in a row. Yeah, it, it, it does. At least it's not just a single thing. You get to think about it seven times, so it's, it's kind of neat. And you don't have to like stop every time you get something wrong. You just have to add up how many you got right. And I thought the tracker at the bottom of the board was very cleverly designed. You moved a placement pawn while they're answering questions to how many they get right. So each time they get one right, you just move the pawn up one. And then once you're done with all seven questions, you read, let's say they got three answers right, you read what's under the number three there that your tracker is sitting on. And it says, move ahead one space. So three answers right, you get one. Seven answers right, you get to move ahead seven spaces. What happens if I only got one right, Celeste? Yeah. Yeah. Or zero. Yeah. You can get zero, What right? happens? Mike's oh, favorite thing. The accursed negative movement. Oh. You get all, all seven wrong, you move back five spaces. Move back five. Yeah, that's brutal. The whole game is like 15 spaces in the short version. <laughs> zero correct answers, move back five spaces. Mike, move oh, back five spaces. Yes. One correct answer, move back three spaces. Ed, Ed. What? You have to get three to get ahead one? Yeah. Ed, we have to get at least three right. Fortunately, a lot of them are based on the yes-no scenario or, you know, one of four chances, right? right? Until we got one that wasn't. (laughs) About sports teams and logos. When you get a card, you can look at the card and decide, do I want to mulligan and get a new card or am I going to keep this card? And you can do that once each turn. Based on the question. Right. Based on the question. And, um... Me and Ed got one that was, is this song by, what is it? Billy Joel or Elton John? I am terrible connecting those things, but Ed said he kind of knew, you know, he's pretty good. We should have stuck with it because that was just 50-50 chance we could have coin flipped our way through it. And I played enough rock band to know these pretty good. We could, Elton John and and Billy Joel are among my favorite artists. Right. But when when I said, listen, I don't have anything to contribute to this, we decided we'll ditch it. We'll probably get something better. I was like, thank goodness. Yeah, we would have probably done pretty well in that one. But we passed on that one and got crushed on the next category, which was an open-ended card, which was what is the home city of these sports teams? And it didn't have multiple choices. It was just open-ended. You either knew it or you didn't. Yeah. Far more difficult than a (laughs) 50-50. 
that's my only issue with these trivia cards is that I have no problem with 50-50 trivia cards or even one quarter trivia cards. I think those are fairly balanced if you had like the same amount of quarters and 50-50s. But when you go from 50-50 all the way to you have to come up with the city, it's not balanced enough. That's unfair. So they should have just kept it 50-50 and 25%. Yeah. That's a matter of fact. Yeah, uh-huh. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, See what I did there? There weren't that many that weren't 25 and 50. So you probably could go through this deck of cards, of trivia cards, and there's a ton of them, and just pull out the ones that aren't that. And you, I bet there won't be many. Yeah. Speaking of, may I mention this? For- speaking of just pulling the trivia cards out, Celeste, you, you picked this up at a thrift store. Yep, $2. Okay. $2 at a thrift <laughs> store, which is great. You opened it up. Okay, the, the cards had rubber bands around them, obviously denoting somebody had, you know, taken it out of the packaging and, re, and, you know, wanted to keep the cards. However, the pawns or the meeples, whatever you want to call them, were still in the original plastic bag with the six-sided dice, unopened. So somebody just grabbed this game, read the trivia, put it back, and threw it on the <laughs> thrift store shelf. Yep. <laughs> That's all that happened. But it's still a great game, and it's at the... The first player will have a slight advantage to get into the end. Well, part. you can mitigate that by simply giving each team the exact same amount of plays. Right. And that's what we that's what we ended up doing. I forget. In Trivial Pursuit, when you get a, a wedge, is there any circumstance in which you have to give it up? Yep. You answer it wrong again on a wedge, you have to give it up. Okay. All right. So that's, yeah. that, that, that's the equivalent of the move backwards mechanism of this mm-hmm. matter yeah. of mm-hmm. fact. Yeah, at least at least this game is way shorter than Trivial Pursuit, though. Way yeah. shorter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, gosh. I thought it was just the right length, and I love the tracker. Uh, it is, and I don't know if this is an advantage or a disadvantage. Obviously, the producers thought it was an advantage. The box itself is the exact same shape as a Trivial Pursuit box, which, again, is why I thought it was from the 80s. <laughs> they totally got you, Celeste. <laughs> I also noticed that there wasn't a timer to answer these questions, which I wasn't sure if it was a blessing or a curse because with a timer, the game moves forward, you know, but it also puts a lot of pressure on you to answer stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of nice. I didn't need the additional pressure of having a timer while I was also looking at the horrific colors of this box. I didn't need that kind of pressure yeah. in my life. <laughs> and I think because most of the questions are 50, 50 and 25, you, you don't really need a timer. People are going to answer fairly quickly. Yeah. And Celeste, I noticed these cards have both a green and an orange side. What's the difference between the two? It recommends that rules recommend that you play the green side first. The cards have green sides and orange sides. The green sides form the main set that you play with. Use the orange sides as a secondary set only after you've gone through the greens. Oh, it's like a built-in expansion pack. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> so I guess you could say that. It's, it, yeah, it's more like a tracking mechanism. Like, oh, we've already played the green cards a bunch of times. Let's flip it over and play the orange cards. But there's no difference in difficulty or anything like that. Okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury. Matter of fact, Ed? The format of the question wasn't half bad for a trivia game. As for the rest of the game, ah, uh, bury it. Evan? The trivia questions were fine, if not a bit easy for my liking. The rest of the game is just an exercise in moving junky meeple things around a crummy board. So, bury it. Mikey? This game would be very forgettable if it wasn't such an eyesore. (laughs) Bury it. You cannot unsee it. (laughs) I can't unsee the game. It burned into my brain. Bleach. Hand him the bleach. 
As a trivia game, this is a solidly designed game. I like the tracking mechanism. I like that you could go backward and forward, but it wasn't particularly punishing, both in the questions and the movement style, and it ends at just the right time. I liked everything about this play of this game. The look is another matter, but I can overlook it. Dig it up. This game is available online at Secondary Markets for about 20 bucks. If you have thoughts about Matter of Fact, let us know. We are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. And that brings us to the end of our show. We look forward to hearing about all the game exploring you've done. And if you'd like exclusive episode content from us with our patron-only podcast... Bonus points! Bonus Just go to our website and click on Become a Supporter Today. And as always, please share, like, tweet, heart us anywhere online. It helps us grow. Happy gaming, explorers. So glad that D6 was in there. And the winner of this week's lotto, get TP. 